0: Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a sometimes fortnightly, sometimes monthly podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. I'm your host, Frank, and today I'm joined by... It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank.
1: Hi, Peter. How are you doing? I'm doing very well indeed. Lovely and sunny outside. Mm. The weekend of my wedding anniversary. Gosh, yeah. Congratulations. Thank you uh, for making it this far without not being married anymore.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, it's really good. How are you? I'm really well as well. I think we both, we knew we were recording this morning and we've started early because we're both a little bit excited about it, is that fair Yeah, to say? absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, we've rolled out of bed and leapt to the microphones. All for you, listener, all for you. It's lovely and quiet here.
1: Just it's peaceful. peaceful. Yeah. Except for a small furry gremlin who's going to come up and mow in the
0: microphone at some point, <laughs> I'm sure. The third host, uh, drawn to the flame, <laughs> So we have a card to announce to the community from the upcoming the DreamEaters cycle. I've got to say, because of the way marketing has changed, at FFG and how few cards they've rele- uh, revealed so far from the deluxe, it's left me really excited to see the cards in the box. Uh, you may or may not know, uh, listener, but sometimes I like to try and work out what what cards we're going to get and. Once we knew about Tarot in The Circle Undone, it's quite easy to tick off a card for every faction. But for the Dream Eaters, it seems to be all over the place. So Every time, listeners, there's
1: a, just a snifter of a new preview, I get an updated list from Frank where he's <laughs> trying to figure out what all the numbers are for all the cards in the cycle, how many of each one there, there are, and which cards are experience cards. Yeah, is
0: it is it getting a bit old now? I don't know. I really enjoy doing that. No, <laughs> it's... You know what? I love how much you love it. <laughs> so <laughs> never, me. ever yeah. stop, please. There's this weird, like, meta thing that some people in the community like to investigate the game itself. And I'm definitely one of those people where, the, you know, there's someone online who's tracked the dates of all of the articles that FFG have put out. And has a spreadsheet that tells you how how much time has elapsed between a, a pack being announced and the pack being actually sold in the shops and things like that. So like there are people out there who collect this meaningless data or not meaningless, but very useless data. And I'm one of those people.
1: I, yeah. <laughs> I have noticed that they've, they, they're now more reticent with some of the information about the investigators. Mm, so we don't yeah. have, we've got concrete deck building information on one of the investigators yeah, and that's because it was the one that Matt built a deck for on stream, so it would have been hard to have hidden what their <laughs> what Tony's deck building requirements were. Yeah, but it, it yeah. means that we we know who we know who the investigators are and roughly what they do, and maybe even a rough idea of the deck building. But there's still a surprise for us when we open the pack, which
0: I think is quite cool. Hmm. I think so too. I, I think the idea of holding back information and letting the community speculate, broadly speaking, encourages those conversations and encourages people to get excited about the game and i think i think that's good as opposed to giving people a lot of the new cards and a lot of the information and people then move on from it it's a way of, sort of sustaining the conversation about it which which is good you know in the same way that when you're excited about a television program you don't want the trailer to reveal everything that's happening in the next season absolutely
1: want... not no yeah you want something to to just you want to be surprised a little bit
0: yeah exactly yeah well, speaking of surprises, we yeah. should probably read our card.
1: Yes, yeah. Whose turn is it? I think it's my turn. I think it is your turn. Yeah. Okay. Right. Shall so I just shoot just blast straight in and do it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. This is a one-cost asset. It's one experience, and it's called Segment of, of Onyx. I think he said Segment of Black Onyx. There, you can tell which campaign I've been playing recently. <laughs> It has a single wild icon, and it has item, relic, and occult traits. Myriad. Interesting. Fast. Free action. If you have three copies of Segment of Onyx in play, set them aside out of play, search your bonded cards for Pendant of the Queen, and put it into play.
0: Okay. There's one thing you haven't said, which is the faction of this card. Sorry, this is a seeker card. Uh, You nearly said Segment of Black Onyx. I yes. really always want to say "segment of orange," <laughs> partly because it's an orange card, <laughs> it's an orange card, because, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, it's se- segments. I'm not one for nicknames for cards, but I think I will have a nickname for this card, which is "segment of orange." Right. Well, where do we begin with this? A one-cost, one XP card that's fast. I mean, yeah, it doesn't feels- use any doesn't- slots. If I if I didn't make that clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, that's a good point. And then it has this free trigger if you have three copies of Segment of Onyx in play, set them aside out of play. But Peter, all cards in this game are, are limit two per card, aren't they? <laughs>
1: they are, yeah.
0: So what's going on? Should we maybe look a bit closer at one of
1: the words on the card, which was myriad? Yes,
0: let's do it. When we were sent this card by FFG, thank you very much, FFG, uh, They they always say if you have any questions let us know. And I wrote back immediately saying, myriad? <laughs> question mark Because I think we did need to know what myriad is to be able to talk about this. So I have the rules from the Dream Eaters deluxe box campaign guide. Uh, Matt Newman has actually sent me the myriad rule and he said it's okay for me to read it out. So here we go. An investigator may include up to three copies of a player card with the myriad keyword in their deck by title instead of the normal limit of two copies. So, so, far, I would say so, so kind of obvious. We thought maybe Myriad would be three or four per deck, but there's more. Additionally, when you purchase a Myriad card for your deck, you may purchase up to two additional copies of that card at the same level at no experience cost, which, to my mind, is bananas. So that means if you want a segment of Onyx in your deck, you're going to spend one XP for one copy, But because you're looking to get these three copies in your deck, you just spend the one XP and you add all three, which is great.
1: Yeah. Now, what it implies to me, and we can maybe, uh, this is maybe an assumption borne out by this card, is that myriad cards are cards that work well when you've got three of them together. Mm -hmm. What was the myriad card that was teased
0: in one of the announcement articles? That was open gate which was a mystic card and I believe it was fast as well. Ah yes it's let you move between locations that had a gate on them right? Yes so playing one open gate is useless but if you can play one and then move somewhere else and play another one those two locations essentially become connected for the purposes of investigators moving. Yeah. So if, if you have a way of traversing the map quickly you could open up a couple of gates and then all of the other investigators can skip through. And that, I believe, is a level zero card. I can't, can't quite remember. So you could could start, you know, this whole idea of the, the XP discount doesn't matter as much for open gate. But then for segment of Onyx, after you've played a scenario, or if you're playing standalone, you can put all three in. Yeah, I, I think the whole point of having more than the limit of two cards in your deck, the card needs the to be able to do something based off the fact that it's that there's three of them. Yeah. Otherwise you just say, well, why does this card get to be three and most other cards are only two? So Yeah, that's that's probably the case. I mean, this is really straying out of my comfort zone, but in Netrunner there was some cards that were six per deck, weren't there, instead of three? Yes. And they seemed to were. have an effect that that stacked based on what you had in play or something like that. I think I was already out of Netrunner by the time they were coming out.
1: Yes, there was three or was there? There was one for each. Runner faction. of action, And they all were based on how many of our cards either in play or in your discard. Okay, yeah. But they were all cheap with a, a minor effect when there was just one in play. It was when you got up to the past sort of three or four that
0: they really became quite potent. Okay, yeah. And for the segment of Onyx, it doesn't do anything when you play it. You just pay one, put it in play, and it's only when that you get to three copies that you get to find this pendant of the Queen yeah. from your bonded cards. So like, there's not too much to talk about about this card. If you see one in a game, it doesn't do anything. If you see two, it still doesn't do anything. So I think one thing that's worth looking at briefly is the probability of drawing this card,
1: specifically of drawing three copies of this card. Mm-hmm. If you have one of a card in your deck, your chances of drawing it are proportional to directly proportional to how many cards in your deck you've drawn. So if you've drawn half your deck, you have 50% chance of drawing one off, right? Mm-hmm. Now, normally, three, you put in as many cards as you can of a card to increase your chances of drawing it. If it's mm-hmm. a card you want, <clears throat> or you're not limited by other, other reasons. So yeah. putting two cards in the deck increases your chances of getting it. Putting three cards will increase your chances yet further, normally. Mm-hmm. Uh, the difference with this, of course, is that it's only useful once you've got all three.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So
1: we can use a hypergeometric distribution calculator to figure out what our odds of drawing all three of these cards are. Okay. So just as an example, as I said, if you've got a card that's one of a kind, your chance of getting your... To have a 50% chance of drawing it, you have to draw half your deck, which is 17 cards in a 33-card deck. Mm -hmm. In a 33-card deck, to have a 50% chance of drawing all three of your segments of orange, you need to draw 27 cards. So you're right near the bottom of your deck Mm. by
0: the time you've got an even chance of getting all three of these cards. Wow, okay, yeah. So you've seen 27 of 33, and that's just to have a 50% chance of drawing all three. Yes,
1: and the odds ramp up quite quickly from that point. But Mm. to have a 90% chance of seeing all three cards, you'll have to have drawn 32 cards.
0: (laughs) Okay, yeah. Yeah.
1: So you're only close to guaranteeing it once you've drawn through just about your entire deck.
0: Mm -hmm. Can I check? This doesn't factor in mulligans and seeing... Or does that not
1: really matter? No, it well no, it doesn't doesn't counter in Mulligans because Mulligans okay. is effectively a five extra, five extra card draw. Yeah. What this means to me is that this is a card that you want to combine with some form of searching or tutoring.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, what form that tutoring takes, I'm not sure. But to me, the 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 way to play it would be to you're more likely than to draw the first one than you are any other card in your deck. if You see what I'm trying to say. Yeah. yeah. So you wait until you get the first one or first two, and then you search up the last one. The last one's going
0: to be the hardest to find. That's raised various different things for me. One, of course, is that this has a wild icon, and I can imagine having it sitting in my hand with the wild icon various tests going by thinking oh if i you know i just need one more point and thinking no i'm going to wait because if i can get the other two it's going to be so worthwhile that wild icon feels like it's there to taunt me rather than to be helpful yeah because there's no point committing this to a test unless say you're playing scavenging min yeah you can get it back because it's an item but otherwise that seems like such a waste to pay one xp for three wild icons in your deck so yeah, there's that. So um, you also mentioned about ways to find it. It's relic-traded. Yeah. So it's also occult-traded, but it's level one. And I, I had a bit of a check about that. The only people who have access to occult cards specifically are Akachi and Marie, but they're both occult level zero. So okay. this doesn't go for them. It's only really are people who can take Seeker zero to five. But it is relic-traded, which means that Ellie can find it. Ellie Horowitz. So that that would be one potential way of searching your deck.
1: Uh, And uh, it's item traded, so backpack could find it as well. Oh
0: yeah, backpack as well. Good shout. Of course, in Seeker there's loads of card draw, no stone unturned, uh, preposterous sketches, cryptic research. It's all different options for searching your deck and we know now that one of the new investigators in Dream Eaters is all about searching her deck. So... This feels like it's maybe designed with a, with her in mind, with that idea of this is maybe a, a tricky thing to get all three. But if anyone can do it, it's Mandy Thompson.
1: Yeah, abso- yeah, absolutely. Say? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Is there anything
0: we want to talk about else? We want to talk about this car in particular. I, I don't think so. Beyond that, I think I think that's all we can really say about Segment of Onyx. It'll be really intriguing to play the... Oh, no, there is one more thing I wanted to say. Sorry, one more thing. And that is that uh, there's a difference here. Like you, We know that there's a bonded card connected to this. But yeah. what that made me think about is our other bonded cards. And I've been playing with Occult Lexicon and Hallowed Mirror. And one of the things that I've said to you before about them is that as soon as you pay for the bond, the... the what do we call it? The host card. Yeah, You get something for that. So in both of those cases, you get immediately in hand one of the uh, Blood Rites, or the what's the other one called? Soothing Melody. Yes. So if you can find your one of host, immediately you get a reward. This flips that on the head. You've got to find your three hosts before yeah. you get any chance of a sniff of anything, whatever that is. I think that's a subtle-ish difference, and it's going to be really intriguing to play with this card and see is it even possible to get all three in play? You know, are you going to have to actually tech quite hard to make sure you can do that. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So uh, thanks again to FFG for sending us this. It's uh, really cool to see, really intrigued to find out more about the cards in the Dream Eaters. Yeah, me too. Can't wait to see how these cards fit together and and would love to try this in in Mandy, as we discussed. I think she might be
1: my investigator of choice
0: yeah 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 so you can email us we're drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com we're drawn to the flame on facebook and twitter we're also on patreon drawn to the flame and on designed by humans yeah thanks very much for listening thank you Hi, Peter. So that's not quite all, is it? It,
1: it, it isn't. That was a bit cruel because people have probably been waiting for something a bit more interesting than a card that
0: gets another card. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, I just feel sorry for all the listeners who've pressed stop on the podcast after <laughs> the episode. Yeah. <laughs> wow, 20 minutes. That's that's a long time for, a, for an outro. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. So we've been sent two cards, not one, because we've also been sent the pendant of the queen. Which is the card that you get if you put three copies of the segment of orange into play, should I read this one, or do you want to carry on and read this as well? well, should I read this because then we don't have to remember that there was two in this one when we do the next
1: one. Perfect, okay. this is a unique asset seeker, pendant of the queen of nothing at all, and it is as well it's a blank cost asset that can't be added to your deck like the other bonded cards, sort mm. of. Um, It's got a dash instead of a cost. It has item and relic traits. Bonded, Segment of Onyx. Uses, three charges. If this card has no charges, set it aside, out of play, and shuffle three set-aside copies of Segment of Onyx into your deck. Free action. Exhaust Pendant of the Queen and spend one charge. Choose a revealed location and select one. Move to that location. Discover one clue at that location or automatically evade an enemy at that location and it is accessory traded
0: the silence you hear is
1: the sound of my head exploding. There's a lot to take in on this card, right so let's yeah. let's break it down. Mm-hmm. The first bit is pretty easy. It's got three charges, so you can you can yep. use it three times. Uh, the second bit once you've used the charges, it leaves the game, but it shuffles the segments back in.
0: So it breaks back into its constituent parts.
1: Yes. Now, we talked in the first part of this episode about the probability of finding the card based on the deck, how many cards you've drawn. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you've gone through most of your deck and you've found the three bits, you know, by drawing 20 or 30 cards out of your deck, you're shuffling those three cards into a pretty slim deck. Mm -hmm. So it then becomes much easier to find and assemble the pendant again. So that's worth bearing in mind.
0: Anyway, right, so... Yeah, and then the race is on to not have your discard pile shuffle into your empty deck (laughs) before, you know, you're like, you've got five cards in deck and you're desperate to get all the segments out. Part one, three uses. Part two, it breaks back into
1: its component parts when it's used up. And the last part is what we can actually use it to do. (laughs) Yeah. Which is exhaust it is a free action and get any clue... From a revealed location, move to any revealed location, or evade an enemy at any revealed location. So that's pretty much going to be move anywhere as long as it's revealed. (laughs) Get any clue because clues tend to only be on revealed locations, or evade any enemy
0: engaged with anyone, elite or non-elite. Elite Elite or non-elite, it's incredible. Yeah. If this card only had one of those three abilities, I think it would still be strong. Yes, But the fact that you're then given a lovely choice of three abilities for your three charges means that there might be some scenarios where if you manage to assemble the pendant, you're using it to move great distances and jump and catch up with your team. There might be another time where all you need is those clues from some incredibly high shroud location or even just the final clue that you've left behind to to steal a victory point or something like that. And then finally, in enemy heavy scenarios, you've got this panic button added in of the automatic evade, which I think is is stellar. It reminds me weirdly of the favours in that it's allowing you to help other investigators at great distances. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes. And find clues. Yeah. So, yeah find a clue or evade someone involved engaged with someone else it doesn't do damage like small favor but otherwise there's that again that that idea of your influence within the game expanding in terms of in terms of distance that it's not all about like well i'll move to your location i'll take that enemy off you i'll try and evade it you just tap the pendant the enemy's evaded and when your friend gets to their turn they can then leave or whatever they need to do so that i I love that flexibility and yeah, I'm quite excited about how powerful this card is. Yeah, it seems really good. The other
1: thing to remember is that everything is fast, so you can go from drawing the last segment to using the ability in a single window. Yes, yeah. So you go play, find this, exhaust it, use the ability. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. The, potentially, you keep the segments in hand. You know, Depending on the scenario and if there's any pressure that the encounter deck is putting on your hand... Yeah. If you've found two segments, but you don't want to play them yet, you just hold them in hand. Maybe you're holding them for higher ed or whatever it is. And then when you hit the third one, you're paying three to get the pendant and get three charges on the pendant. Which Yeah, that's kind of nice. So there's a, a beautiful thing in, in the design here that I really enjoy, which is that it's the segment is myriad. So there's three of them. Yeah. They each cost one so that costs you 3 in total. Yeah. And they bring the pendant which has three charges and three abilities, move, discover clues, automatically evade. So this sort of yeah, nice triangular trio, three ability just feels really neat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's
1: it's it's a weird one to evaluate without having played it because I just I can't get my head around how hard it is to get into play. Mm. Um it feels yeah. like a it's it's almost like a limit one per investigator card. You know what I mean? Like an exceptional yes. card. But yeah. it that it's harder to draw than even an exceptional card.
0: Because you need to find three parts. Yeah, so even playing something like No Stone Unturned five and being able to go and fetch any card from your deck, that doesn't help if that's only fetching you the first or the second segment. Yes. <laughs> you know, like that, that's only really clutch if it's getting you the third. But really what you'd want to do is say in Mandy, is used no stun on turn 5 to find the last two. Yes, yeah. Presuming you've got rid of a weakness. What this also shows us about Bonded is what I alluded to in the earlier section, where this is a really high-impact Bonded card with a really difficult threshold to get it working. I think it is a difficult threshold to find all three and get them in play. It might be easier in certain investigators. But then the pendant itself is really impactful, one would hope once it's in play, and you compare that with a cult lexicon, where obviously the dream with a cult lexicon is you play it, and then you get to play all three blood rites during a game. But what's as likely to happen, probably more likely, as you play a cult lexicon, you get one blood right in hand, and maybe you play a second, and it depends how the rest of the scenario goes. But you might not be guaranteed to play all three. So the the sort of the best case of what you get from occult lexicon versus the reality there's a bit of a gap whereas with this i think if you can get the pendant in play you're definitely going to use all those charges without a shadow of a doubt probably as quickly as possible to get a segment of onyx back into your deck to yeah. replay it so it's much more kind of yeah like uh concentrated power i suppose It just it has it's occurred to me as you were speaking
1: frank that the mm. only way to get the the segments back in is to use all the charges
0: yeah so if the, the Pendant's destroyed for another reason, then you'd lose the segments. Ah, that's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah, if you just play another accessory and discard the Pendant. Or Crypt Chill hits you or something like that. Mm, yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. And you're on, a, you're on a clock there as well because the Pendant exhausts. Yeah. You can only use this once per turn. Yes. So you can't pop this into play, use the free trigger to discover three clues and immediately go back to collecting segments from your deck.
1: Just wonder whether M- Mandy plays a game where she she gets it into play as quickly as possible, and then just tries to stop drawing so she can keep on su- shuffling the segments into a thinner deck.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: Just keeps on doing that over and over again. Potentially. Once you get down to to six cards, she just uses old Book of Law, <laughs> fetches all the yeah. all the segments in that yeah. in that last turn. Anyway.
0: That that's nice. Yeah. That the other the other thing to note is that the, the abilities, like, let's think about who can take this. We're talking mainly about our seeker zero to five investigators. Mandy has an intellect of five. So the discovering clues, there might be cases where she just wants to get a clue from a long way away, but you'd hope that Mandy is steadily getting clues anyway. So maybe she likes this more for the way it can move her to anywhere or the kind of useful evade. Of And then similarly, say you're running this in Ursula and you're using Ellie to find the segments or the last segment. Ursula normally has quite a lot of movement, you'd hope, to trigger her ability. Maybe she likes the clue discovery a bit more, but she also has agility four. So an automatic evade doesn't seem so appealing. Whereas if this is in Daisy, like I love the idea of an automatic evade for Daisy with her two agility, Uh, so, so different. Different investigators might like it for different reasons. Yeah, I mean, actually, know, just like the movement ability, anyway. So, just a way of pinging across the board.
1: Yeah, to pick up a clue in any place.
0: It, oh, it helps you with a call of the unknown, doesn't it? You could call from the unknown a, a location miles away if it's going to take you away from enemies. And yeah, the other person I thought might like this weirdly is Joe because I, when I've been playing Joe, you have. Preposterous sketches and no stone unturned in the hunch deck, yeah. so you're searching your own deck for lots of different things, and that would help you find the segments, and then like he quite likes Tesla's clues as a well you can play Joe where you don't really investigate, you just get clues Tesla's and this is another Tesla's clue thing, and it yeah gives him some movement, which he likes. he can zoom over to a reveal location to help people fight, or he can also evade enemies and help people that way. that seems nice, yeah, absolutely, yes. So it will all hinge. I think we're both saying on how easy it is to get three three of the same card into play. Absolutely. I would not play this. I don't think in an investigator
1: who didn't have some advantage in finding the segments, whether that's yeah. no stone unturned or uh, an, an old book of law or some other tutoring effects. Ellie mm-hmm.
0: Horowitz, whatever. Yeah. So at that point, you're you're heading down not quite combo terrain, but the hidden cost of. The segment. It's not just that you pay one XP to get all three. It's that you also have made sure that you're including other things in your deck yeah. to make that work. Or the alternative is you play yeah. min and then you draw your entire deck anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That like there is just the the pure draw capacity. You know, if you're playing Daisy and your old book of Loring more or less every turn, you can decide. Right, I've seen two segments. I'm gonna really look for the the third. Or if you actually just need to old book of law because you're desperate for some other card, you could do that instead. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Imagine if there's a way for Patrice to take this.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, that's really easy for her, right? Yeah. <laughs> maybe she'll be a cult a zero to two or something. Yeah. Or maybe even we'll see
1: a similar uh, bonded or myriad card for her, which would be which
0: would be fantastic in a seeker deck. Oh, well, sorry, in a survivor deck for her. Mm. mm. Well, and on that, we're revealing a seeker myriad bonded card. We know about a Myriad card in Mystic. And if you haven't seen yet, the Mythos Busters announced a pair of bonded cards yesterday. So, uh, at the time of recording, so Saturday, worth checking out. So, we've seen two factions that have Myriad and bonded cards. And we know of a bonded card in Rogue. Yeah. So, like, maybe every faction's getting a Myriad card and every faction's getting a bonded card. Great if so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You mentioned Patrice there. One thing I wanted to do before we finish, do you have any predictions about deck building and options for our five announced investigators? We know Tony already, but do you have any other feelings or strong strong thoughts? Well,
1: I mean, there's there's been some speculation that they'll all have similar requirements to Tony. We know Mandy's got something similar to Tony and that she picks mm-hmm. a faction, uh, but it's not been mentioned for any of the other oh. investigators. Yes. And aside from Dunwich and the corset, we've not had a consistent theme across the investigators' deck building. No. Which makes me
0: think, maybe not. Mm. One of the most surprising things across the other deluxes has been when you find an investigator, like, say, Leo Anderson, who reverts to that simple template of a 5-2, but does that in a way that opens up the card's Excitingly, yes. So, my prediction for Tommy, if he's not going to
1: be pick pick one of the three other classes, would be that he is potentially a five zero guardian and a zero two survivor. He's mm-hmm. on quite a few survivor cards, or at least one survivor card that I can think of. Right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, maybe a couple more. There's just something quite survivory about him, about
0: this almost idea of failure. Yeah. He's the young son who's, there's nothing sort of special about him. He's just following the the family route and then finds himself in over his head. Yeah. 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 Potentially. The the other thing that would work really well with that is that his ability is to get resources for uh, damage and horror on assets when they leave play. And that would mean leather coat and cherished keepsake yes become a really good fit yeah yeah they're both zero zero cost assets that will generate you two resources when they leave play The the challenge i i think is going to be finding ways to deal damage to your to your assets
1: <laughs> mm. uh yeah. enough that it, it's it's worth because it, like a leather coat almost becomes a, a mini emergency cash there right yeah.
0: yeah you play it and then you get two resources back yeah so then you're just desperate to take two damage. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, if I could just please take damage. And that's where we, we've we mentioned off-cast, but they, the article sort of hints at things like true grit and something worth fighting for. But they're three cost to play and get you three back. Yeah. So that they're not really an investment. They're not making you any extra resources. No. But if they're three cost to play and you can let other people take the damage or horror to kill them, if you don't have a way of taking the damage or horror at least you can you can allow the rest of your team to take damage and horror and you profit out of it in some way yeah that, i, I can, think it's I... intriguing doesn't work in solo obviously i can sort of see that but
1: it's 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 almost a temp, tempo neutral ability at that point and mm. i think it's going to you want to build in ways to gain tempo advantage from your ability I think yes. the obvious answer is to use like beat cop level 2 and guard dog mm-hmm. and to just to power through those assets get them shuffled back into your deck and then find them again to replay
0: them. Yeah. Because and you're in, you're incentivized to use them anyway they have ways of damaging themselves that are additional to just taking hits. He's going to he might be the
1: first investigator who wants to use survival knife over uh over machete, right?
0: Yeah, good points, yeah. Who wants to take the hit, gets a free hit back. Mm, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I would have said Survivor 0-2 as well for Tommy. For Mandy, we know there's Mystic, Rogue, and Survivor secondary class yeah. for her to select from. We know she has weird deck sizes, but yes. beyond that, I'm not sure. I'm If she can take assets, she can take... Arcane initiate and search every single turn for a spell. Yes, and that is a repeatable search that would be a way of getting around her weakness. I'd be really surprised if she could take that.
1: Yeah, that's that seems quite potent, but you never know. Maybe, maybe yeah, maybe she can. Yeah, uh, Patrice, who was the other yeah. investigator we've just seen now, bearing in mind her ability, I think she could be predominantly survivor, maybe with yeah. The... Some either one or two off-class, level zero access, something like Finn. Okay, yeah. A couple of
0: classes, five five level zero cards. Yeah. Sort of thing. And,
1: and for the off-class, I would look at all of the other musicians who've had mystic access. And this is like a common Lovecraftian trope, right? Mm-hmm. So musicians are somehow able to see see the truth behind reality.
0: Yeah, musicians and artists, yeah.
1: So Jim and Marie are both mystic main classes. And Patrice, yeah. as a musician, potentially has that same ability. I'll note, though, mm-hmm. that her instrument isn't
0: a relic, which is usually the trait they give to actual magical items. It's just, Is it just item and instrument? Yes, treated? that's right, yeah. That's, that's kind of intriguing, isn't it? That's that stat line, to me, with a four willpower and then twos across the board, she's two stat points lower than the average investigator stand. Normally they have twelve. The stat line itself cries out Mystic Zero to Two to me. So she'd be an inverse Agnes. Yeah, could be. But I also think to to be missing out on two stat points. Is it going to be that her ability, when you're actually playing her, is so powerful that that's why her stats are lower, or will she have some additional deck building? I want. Could she be our first Mystic Zero to Three, say? because she's missing two stat points, so she'd get a, a bit more access to an off class, but at the cost of slightly reduced stats. Potentially, Potentially. yeah. I, I, I do think her ability is very strong, though. Yeah, and, and that's, the, that's the case. It might just be that because you have to use all the cards in your hand if you don't want to lose them, you're incentivized to commit cards, so you, you can, even though your stats are at two, you chuck in a bunch of cards and you smash any test, Yeah. At which and you always get to draw five at the end of the turn. At which point, actually, she needs her stats capping. Yeah, you know, it's like it's weirdly it's reminding me of Preston. It's like if you have so many resources that you can pay to be whatever stats you need to be, you actually need to start at a very low stat line for that to be manageable. Yeah, otherwise it just gets out of control. exactly.
1: Yeah. He needs to be nerfed in terms of passing tests; otherwise, he'd just be rich and he could pass tests. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Exactly. and I, yeah, as I say, I, I think I think her ability is is. Very strong. And I think if you look at when she's able to pick up Cornered...
0: Yeah, any card is a plus two. Yeah,
1: yeah she's effectively got plus two to all her stats at that point. Yeah. Because you can just use <laughs> Cornered on every test, right? Yeah, just shed cards, yeah. Assuming they're not more icons just committing them to the tests. And then like you could say, well, Cornered needs you to find and find it and play it.
0: Who's, who's yeah, better at finding cards than someone who draws five cards every turn? Mm. Yeah. And she's going to be a really odd fish because she's going to loop her deck very quickly. You know, if she has access to a cult, a cult level 0 to 1, she can take the segment of Onyx and she's finding that really fast. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we don't know her deck size either. She could be a a chunkier deck to make up for the fact oh, she true. goes through yeah. it. So. Deck size 100. <laughs> 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 I mean, we can work. Slow you, slow you down. We've
1: talked in the past about how we can... We can play all the investigators out of the core set, so you could work out, I guess, a theoretical maximum deck size.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Anyway, as in, as in, combine a single core set in the dream eaters. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It gets tricky at that point, doesn't it? There was the same weird problems with um, Joe's hunch deck, and he's got a bigger deck, and it starts to be hard to pair him with anyone because he demands so many <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. True. So yeah, and that leaves Luke Robinson, who was our first announced investigator and Luke has been sort of dancing behind everything we've talked about this episode because Luke has an amazing movement ability which means something like open gate he can play around with he also we understand needs to investigate certain locations to do certain things so he has a sort of seeker-y requirement to him I'm quite hoping he's seeker zero to two yeah, which would mean he could take the segment of Onyx. I we've had quite a few mystics who don't have uh, very straightforward deck building rules. So you've got uh, Mateo, Akachi, Jim, all with slightly different rules. So it'd be nice to fill out the off class mystic. I would say so. Spaces remind me yeah. with
1: with Luke. Is his ability he can play an event card every turn as if you were at yes. a connecting location. Yeah. And
0: engage with all enemies there. Is it yeah. just
1: an event, or is it a mystic event?
0: I think it's just an event.
1: So, to me, there's an overlap then between what this card does and, say, if you put in Working a Hunch and Blinding Light mm-hmm. into your deck. Yeah. You know what I
0: mean? Yeah, why, why search for all of the segments if you can just run those events? Yeah, just put in yeah. two Working a Hunch then, because you could find
1: find a clue at a connecting location it's not any revealed location, but is it worth the extra hassle then if you've got that ability on tap? Quite possibly,
0: yeah. And that that then makes me think, well, will Luke be like Tony and Mandy? Will he have a choice of secondary classes? And you could maybe do a rogue secondary class where you're running rogue events because they're fun to play from connecting locations. Yeah. Or do you run Seeker and you lean into finding clues and, as you say, playing and working a hunch from... A connection away or playing seeking answers you know investigating two locations away with seeking answers potentially and then maybe there's a third maybe he also has guardian access or something like that. it's hard to say isn't it yeah yeah so yeah he's he's a bit of a mystery i'd, I'd like him to be seeker zero to two just for the simplicity of it but who knows maybe he'll be another pure mystic with a is there a is there a trait that leans into being a dreamer i don't i don't think so maybe an so, yeah. augury or something like that or
1: maybe, yeah, maybe.
0: anyway okay we're cool. starting to ramble a bit so <laughs> that was the segment of onyx and the pendant of the queen of nothing at all beautiful cards thanks again to ffg for sending them to us it's really exciting about the dream eaters coming up soon and hope you're excited too listener do we have anything else we need to talk about before? yeah
1: just uh a shout out and a, a, a pimp to a, a friend of the show so Nathan, who everyone who is on Facebook in the Arkham groups will know, because he does these amazing setups and shares pictures, he's Arkham's number one hype man, really, right? <laughs> yes, I think that, that's yes, that's that's uh yeah. Everyone can agree on that. He's yeah. running an event at the end of October, October the 27th, at okay. his game store, Guardian Games, in Portland. Is that Portland, Oregon? It is, yeah. So the event is called Arkham Horror Beneath the Waves. You can find that on Facebook, and he's got all the details there. But there's going to be uh, Labyrinths of Lunacy. He's going to run the Blob. Uh, he's doing the Depths of Yoth challenge. He's doing an Iron Man challenge. There are some fan scenarios and stuff going on. And there's lots of various uh, Arkham community contributors who are doing things for it. There's, let's have a look, he's, he sent us a big list, so I'll I'll, I'll just run down the list. There is uh, tokens to give away from Orbit's. There's Buy the Same Token, friends of the show, uh, giving away Mm -hmm. some boards. Uh, There's some bags from Needle and Threadly. They've got a special water-themed mat by uh, Andresia Garnier, who does awesome Arkham mats. I've got a couple of them, actually. They're really, really nice. There's... uh, uh, a fun story featuring Arkham Horror Beneath the Waves by Brian David Sandberg. Some original art, all this kind of stuff. Extra swag and things like that. Uh, we're going to try and do a quiz as well, which you'll get to do at the event. Is that everything? I think that's all the details. Yeah, uh, you, I think that's everything. You can You can reserve tickets online, but I think Nathan's just hoping to sell them on the door.
0: Great. Yeah. I mean, if you're on the west coast of America and you can get there, or even if you're further afield, check it out. Nathan has loads of game experience. He's a huge Arkham fan, so I'm sure it's gonna be incredible and it's really good that he's organizing it. It's just really cool that the community are organizing events. yeah, so yeah we should do one. we should we should think about it. yeah, yeah. it's probably quite a lot of work, right? Yeah, maybe we shouldn't then. <laughs> there goes that idea <laughs> cool. Well, we've already said our sign-off earlier in this episode, but we're on Drawn to the Flame podcast at gmail.com and all the usual places at Drawn to the Flame. Uh, Oh, there is one other thing. Take a look on Patreon if you're a patron, because I'm drawing to the end of the current Think on Your Feet campaign, and I'd love patrons to guide me of what to do next. So I'm inviting you to make suggestions about what investigator to play and whether I play Return to Carcosa or Circle Undone. Probably Circle Undone, but if you can give me a good reason to return to Cargosa, I'll think about it. So yeah, great. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you. Bye.
1: For the cat is cryptic and close to strange things which men cannot see. He is the soul of antique Egyptus and bearer of tales from forgotten cities in Meroe and Ophir. He is the kin of the jungle's lords, an heir to the secrets of hoary and sinister Africa. Sarah Compton Hall is his cousin, and he speaks her language, but he is more ancient than she,
0: and remembers that which she hath forgotten. Wonderful likewise were the gardens made by Matt Hopkins, the olden king. In the centre of Sarnath they lay, covering a great space, And encircled by a high wall. And they were surmounted by a mighty dome of glass, through which shone the sun and moon and stars and planets when it was clear, and from which were hung (laughs) fulgant. Fulgent? I don't even know what that means! (laughs) The the triple and as well. (laughs) And they were surmounted by a mighty dome of glass, through which shone the sun and moon and stars and planets when it was clear and from which were hung fulgent images of the sun and moon and stars and planets when it was not clear. so there were some heirs of ancient Egyptus fighting there as well.
1: <laughs> Think about a couple of different things. Sorry, the cats
0: are fighting That was amazing, meow That's good Excuse me Why are you
1: always so irritating Just when you need to be quiet Look, Gremlin, stop it What are you wrecking this for? You
0: just wreck things. It's covered in teeth marks now. You naughty little glanter, aren't
1: you? I'm back. This is all going on the blo- the blooper. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm
0: just sitting so there good. looking innocent as <laughs> he's <laughs> ruining things. Yeah.